You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Monday morning at 10 a.m. Time for Lindsay Whalen on point, on point with Mackie and Judd. I'll be damned that they're going to let the ball go inside. And they just kept flooding, flooding, flooding. And we just we botched every opportunity on the inside, still couldn't hold it, still didn't have any poise. You know, we forced it to her. Um, and it's just dumb. It was dumb basketball. I mean, how do you have that big of an advantage and you can't, it can't exploit it? So the question is this. Lindsay, is that upset as you have seen uh, Coach Reeve following a regular season loss? No. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, obviously she was disappointed, for sure, rightfully so. But, no, we've. Uh, I mean, she's been more upset just on, um, you know, different types of uh, – usually if it's – usually if she's really upset, it's uh, a lot of effort stuff. And yep. last night was – there was, you know, I would say some, some effort things, but it was mostly just um, – I mean, if you have 24 turnovers as a coach, I mean, what are you really supposed to say? I mean, it just wasn't. We just didn't play. A, we didn't execute uh, our game plan. And right from the start, it was um, his pretty off. We ran our first three plays. Um, not, um, I guess, not right. So, mm-hmm. um, as a coach, you know, that, that's what, um, you know, she observed. But, no, I've seen her more. I've seen her more upset. She was just, um, you know, I think she just um, – you know, upset, disappointed about the, the execution on a lot of things. Now, for for you, do you see the game and when when things go go wrong, do you see it at all differently now that that you're going to coach as well? Because as a point guard, you're, you're a coach to a certain degree already. But now that that you're going to be coaching a Division One program, when you are involved in in a game like that or go back and look at the film, has that changed or will that change for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, when I'm out there. No, I'm just playing. You know, I'm just I'm doing what I've always done. You know, in, in that instance, um, I think in the fourth, um, I think it was just I wanted to do whatever I could to um, just get us back into a point where we could, you know, have a chance to win the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the details and some of the, um, you know, maybe execution-wise stuff that we um, that we did that we. Um, could have done better. I'll probably take a longer look this this year than ever before because I'll be coaching, um, and I'll probably, um, you know, I guess take a longer look at, you know, individually what I could have done and what we um, maybe could have done better in certain situations. So um, there'll probably be a little more, I guess, analysis on that stuff. But that'll be like you said, mostly after the game, watching video because the one you're in it, you're just playing and you're you're trying to do your best for the team. Uh, Lindsay, no shortage of chippiness between you guys and the L.A. Sparks over the last couple of seasons. So about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Odyssey Sims, who was, you know, had a pretty physical matchup with you throughout the game. You guys kind of passed each other on the way to the respective benches. Uh, what went down there? Yeah, I mean, we are just each trying to go to our bench. And um, I guess we were just kind of in each other's paths. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure it warranted double technicals to be honest with you but it was just kind of a we're making a run 
they had played a really well, really, really good game. Um, they had executed a lot better than we had to that point, but we were making a run and we're at home and, um, yeah, we just kind of got in each other's way. And so, um, you know, she, you know, she played a heck of a game, honestly. Give her a lot of credit. She played well. She had a huge shot with about a minute to go, maybe even 40 seconds to go, um, over, over so, which is one of our better defenders on the team. So, hey, give her credit. Um, she responded well, um, you know, after all that. And, and so did our team as well. I mean, we're up one with five seconds to go at the end of the day. You just got to execute that last play. We got to get a stop there. That's, um, I think that's three games in the last probably 10 or 11 that we've played them that they've hit a buzzer beater on us. So, um, you know, it's, it just, uh, those ones really hurt, especially when it's the same thing to the team. And so, um, you know, we have to, I, I think, really, figure out a way to get that execution down. We've given ourselves a chance to win. All we need is one stop. As 24 turnovers, bad start, all those things, you're still up one with 5.8 seconds to go, and you got to try to be able to oh, – sorry, guys. we got to try to be able to get Dog's that Dog's upset about the loss. Are you in a prison Wait, yard or what? <laughs> no, he's barking. Hey, what, no. That's okay. Yeah, he's just barking outside at something. Who knows? No somebody worries. He's upset, you know, too. Unfortunately, somebody probably walked by our house. and he's, he's, He thinks he's a guard dog is what he thinks he is. <laughs> the audacity of, of, of a person to walk by your, your house. Our little dog does that all the time. It drives me. I'm like, you can't do anything to help me, so don't bother barking when someone walks by my our window. I know. And it's like, so, because I'm like, my parents are like, you got to get him a bark collar so he stops barking. But then it's like. That shocks him. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm with you. <laughs> so it's Good like, what do you do? He's know. a dog. He's going to bark. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Was it coincidence maybe with after the technical that uh, you kind of got some space to work? You got a little more aggressive. You're dishing the ball a little bit more. Um, what what allowed you to kind of open up your game a bit in the fourth? Well, that's when it was time to try to get the win. I mean, we played really poorly in the third. And then um, it was just. It was like now or never. The fourth quarter, we, you know, it felt like we needed a spark. Um, honestly, um, no pun intended. It was uh, it felt like we needed a little something. You know, those. I'm not going to make an excuse, but those days are are long for a player with the ceremony and with the rings and your senior teammates from last year. And you know, it's human nature to be, um, you know, a little bit distracted going into that game, but not. Not the level where we should have been. We should. We've done this four times now. So, I, like I said, I'm not making excuses. But so to me, I wasn't really panicked when we got down eight to ten in the third because I knew it was going to be a back and forth game, just because of the day of the circumstances. Like we just just beat them last year. It was our ceremony day. So I knew. So then in the fourth, it was like, okay, all right, let's make this run. That's all you can do at that point. You can't change anything that's happened the first three quarters. Anything that happened throughout the day. So. To me, it was just, um, I thought at times we were a little flat. We were a little, um, you know, we were forgetting some plays from time to time. So I would just, you know, I, that's my job. That's my job as a point guard. That's my job as a leader to get us going and kind of fire things up. And so I was, I did my best to try to get in the lane, like you said, get to the free throw line, um, find found still a couple of times and just kind of get us hyped up. And so... Um, like I said, that's my job as a leader. That's what coach trusts me to do. She puts a lot of that um, responsibility on me, and so I try to just do it the best I could. And like I said, we had it to one. We were up one. With all we needed was one more stop. So mm-hmm. um, you know, the next time now, I think we'll be uh, you know more prepared in those situations. And we have to understand too that a lot of that 
down to what we did in the first quarter and the third quarter as to why we were in that position where we may, you know, if you're up, if you're up five or six in that position, you know, that situation, it doesn't matter. So if I'm Cheryl Reeve or, or a player like you, here's my one gripe, and it involves mm-hmm. not the Sparks, but your marketing department. Whoever decided or accidentally started the the ring ceremony uh, run-through while the Sparks were practicing on Saturday should be talked to. Because if I'm a player and I'm playing the Sparks, they're pretty good, right? So I'm thinking to myself, this game's going to be tough. You know what I don't want to do? What I don't want to do today is motivate the L.A. Sparks. But when you launch the whole, basically, here's what you're go- going to have to watch. If I'm a, pl- I'm like, what are you doing? It's like the confetti in Philly. Yes, what are you doing? I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know that happened. Yes, <laughs> you just, I just, I, I didn't know that. Ha- I mean, I read a little bit about it yesterday in the um, Star Tribune, but um, yeah, that was kind of like last night at like midnight, so I was kind of just like half asleep reading it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's. Um, I don't. I don't have anything to do with that. So I'm I know. I know sure. you I'm don't. Sure Your marketing that. department does. That's my. No, yeah. That'd be my gripe. Okay. Okay. I'll put you in touch with <laughs> with whoever. I guess I don't know. So, so um, as far as that game goes, too, take me through the the one shot that I saw uh, of, of the shots that you you made. Take me through that fourth quarter shot mm-hmm. where you are. So you you are going underneath the basket. You're basically being pushed down. You're falling down. You throw the ball up, and it go, goes in. Mm-hmm. Is that shot is that shot at all either practiced or do do you have a feeling it's going to go or is that just a hail mary? I'm going to try this, and if it works, great. Um, well, yeah, I've made that shot a lot in my life. So once I got to the other side and I knew the amount of just English I had to put on it, I I felt pretty good about it, that it was going to go in. Um, I mean, like I said, I work on those shots. I've worked on those shots my whole life. So that's just, um, at that point, just kind of instincts take over. And the only thing, you know, as a question at a certain point was, was I going to be able to get to the, um, the right side, you know, to get all the way to the other side of the rim. And then once I knew that, I was definitely going to have enough English to put on it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't want to downgrade because this is obviously a tough shot, but um, when you practice those shots your whole life and you, you do the reps, then those things become uh, – it's like Steph Curry, you know, shoot or shoot, and no matter what, like if you put the reps in and you put the work in, then you have confidence to make those shots happen. And so I've been doing that, shots like that my whole life, um, coming from left to right, underneath the basket being, you know, one of the shorter players on on the court. Usually at all times you have to be able to kind of finesse a shot like that to go in. And so, um, yeah, like I said, I, I've done that shot so many times that I, once it left my hand, I felt pretty good about it and um, was glad it was able to go. Lindsay, you mentioned turnovers, 24 of them leading to 23 points for L.A. How much do you attribute those to their defense and how much do you attribute to your guys' sloppiness? Um, I feel like a lot to our sloppiness, honestly. I mean, it was just a lot of mental miscues and errors and things like that. Um, you know, some of the plays give them credit. I mean, there's some good defenders on that team. Obviously, NECA is a great, you know, former MVP in this league and a great defender. Um, I honestly stripped me one time. She, she does that well. Um, but again, that, you know, I could have done better in that possession for sure. Uh, and then a lot of it just seemed to be uh, just some uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic travels um, where we, we'd lose the ball and transition a couple of times. So, yeah, we shot ourselves in the foot plenty of times. I mean, to have 24 turnovers in a WNBA game is, is pretty ridiculous. And when we try to do – our goal is 12 a game, so we doubled that up. I mean, it was just – it was some of the stuff was, was pretty incredible. So I know 
Um, it'll probably be painful to watch on video um, tomorrow or, you know, if we do watch video, whatever coach decides <laughs> to do it, it'll be, be painful to watch, but I think it'll – I actually think this loss will kind of refocus us. I mean, all training camp, after you win, all you kind of hear is, um, you know, 20 – you know, defending champs and dynasty and all those things. And so, yeah, of course, you try as much as you can to understand that this is a new game and a new season. I mean – I think sometimes a loss recenters you and refocuses you, and I think we maybe needed that a little bit just to kind of refocus on how important the little things are because 24 turnovers shows that you, as a team, aren't paying attention to the details and the little things and making sure you're getting open here, cutting right here, or, uh, you know, let me make sure this pass is going to get there. So I think in the long run this will probably be good for us because, like I said, for the last, I mean, whole offseason and then three weeks of training camp, Everyone tells you how good you are and how great you are and how well you did. And and so I think sometimes a little bit of, you know, back to reality is like, okay, for the team. And as much as it stings and we wish it would have been different yesterday, it, it might be good for us in the long run. And like I said, we wish we were in a different position and could kind of handle that and still execute. But for whatever reason, it didn't go our way yesterday. But I think in the long run, um, this might be something that is – you know, positive for the team. As much as it hurts to say that, I think it, it might uh, really refocus us. And now, Dave Harrigan, you can fire up the music. It's time for the fast break. Are you ready? Rapid fire questions. Yes. All right. Yes. Question number one, ring ceremony number one or number four, which is more special as a player? Um, I would say one, just because you don't really know what you're what you're doing. Yesterday, I was so I was really focused on the game, and I, I don't know. So I would say one. All right, what profession would you most like to try outside of basketball? Uh, hockey, for sure. <laughs> Whitecaps. What position? Center. All right. What do you do to get away from the game of basketball? I. Wait for my weekly radio show on ESPN 1600 to talk to uh, Mackie and Judd. Well played. That's very, that was very good. I mean, probably not uh, true, but I like the answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, little Netflix, Hulu, watching shows, um, I'll, NBA playoffs, but then that's basketball, too. So, <laughs> Favorite yeah. current show, then? What, what's your favorite current show? Oh, man, right now I'm, I mean, it's so crazy, but Handmaiden's Tale, it's so intense, and it's like... It's actually pretty scary, actually, but you guys know what I'm talking about, this show on Hulu? I've heard of it. I do not. I'm not a Hulu guy, but I've heard of it. What if it's like uh, if the U.S. had a, like, totalitarian government in, like, 150 or whatever years in the future, you know, what that would be like. And then it's just crazy. It's it's very very thought-provoking and eye-opening. So it's like once I watch one, it's like I have to find out what happens next. So that one and uh, then my lighter show is Silicon Valley because that one has to just... I have to have one that's just kind of funny and, you know, turn your mind off type thing. All right. This is a flip side to my first question. What profession would you least like to try? Oh, I don't know. Marathon running. Anything with long distance. That's just not going to work for me. (laughs) All right. What what is the biggest misconception that fans have about the sport of basketball that as a player you roll your eyes at? Oh, man. Oh, let's see. That um, probably that, you know, like everyone goes to the gym every day wanting to be successful. Like no one ever showed up to say like, oh, I just don't want to try hard today or I just don't want to give it my best effort. So like we put a lot of time in and like everyone shows up to the gym wanting to be successful. And sometimes it just doesn't go your way that day. But um, everyone goes into it with like 
wanting to do their best. So sometimes when you hear, oh, they just didn't want or they just didn't <laughs> try harder that day, it's like, yep. you, no, that's like literally you wouldn't, be a, you wouldn't be a professional athlete if you didn't have that in you. It's just some days it just doesn't work out. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye, Lindsay. Anytime, guys. All right. Thank you so much. Lindsay Whalen making her weekly appearance here uh, with uh, Mackie and Judd, which she does either, what, Dave, 9.30 or 10 o'clock or nearly on Mondays. That's the typical spot. And let's see here. The Lynx will be back in action at home, actually. Target Center, 7 o'clock against Dallas on Wednesday. Their first uh, road game of the season is Friday at New York. Let's come back, uh, talk about what uh, what she had to say, and also shortly be getting to stuff. Don't forget Derek Wetmore later in the show at 11.30 on uh, Twins, and also the Mr. Fix-It segment coming up at Noon, Mackie and Judd, Brian Murphy, the Pioneer Press, in for Philip today. Mackie and Judd now continue. Prepare to be dazzled. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd with Judd and Brian Murphy is sponsored by Metafast. Thank you, David. So, Murph, uh, t- uh, tell us about your experience at Target Field on Friday, because I saw you at the very end, and I think to say you were tuckered would be an understatement. I got to spend a day with the grounds crew uh, as a member of the grounds crew, not just sitting around chronicling what they do and writing, taking notes, but actually participating in their daily routine. And I uh, showed up at 9 a.m. at Target Field, and I believe I was working until about 11 p.m. So we're looking at a 14-hour day. Now, granted... And that's the norm? That's the norm. Um, For a a home game, yeah. For a home game, um, especially coming off an off day. So they got some work done uh, the Thursday off day between the Cardinals and the Brewers series, but typically they'll uh, they'll repaint the foul lines, they'll mow the lawn, and they'll uh, you know the little logo behind the plate they need to do at the first game of a series. But what I found fascinating was th- there's two different crews. There's the day crew, that's a salaried crew. They basically work eight or nine to four four thirty just until the start of batting practice. Then an entirely new crew comes in called the TARP crew. And these are the college kids, the part-timers, the guys just looking to make a couple extra bucks, maybe ascend to one of the full-time positions. And they're the ones doing uh, the dragging of the infield, uh, the stuff at the end of the game, picking up the, the vacuuming up the seeds from the grass that these guys spit on the ground all the time. They got to roll out the TARP. They're doing all the you know hauling of the the mats and the and the batting practice equipment. That's where the heavy lifting comes in, literally. I mean, you're basically working hard from 9 to noon, from about 3 to 6, yep. 30. Yep. And then uh, from the time the game ends until maybe an hour afterwards. And so there's a lot of bursts of energy and a lot of busy work, but a lot more that I thought was part of the gig, where you just think, well, they go out there and drag the field and chalk the lines and all that. No, it's a it's a maintenance project is what it is. What do you think is one or two things that we don't get about their jobs? What surprised you? That there's so much to do at various times of the day. Uh, The mound, for example, how meticulous the mound. There was one guy on there who's been responsible for the mound going back to the Met. Okay, Really? Yeah. His name's Al. I can't think of his last name offhand. But but he's the mound guy? He's the mound guru. He's the mound whisperer. Wow. So at 9 a.m., which was a beautiful thing on on Friday. It was a gorgeous day. There wasn't a soul in the building. It was just me and Al on the mound. So it was kind of cool to just look up and be at the center of the cathedral, so to speak, with nobody around. The only thing you could hear was the light rail dinger, the bell on the light rail going. But he, so essentially what you're doing is you're, you're raking off all of the little spike marks, all the little dirt wads, 
you know, you're, you're like combing the mound to get rid of that. And then you're taking uh, clay and, and molding it into the landing areas that the various pitchers the night before used. And in between, you're spraying like a little Windex bottle of water over several layers so that the water absorbs, the clay hardens, and you have a lot, you know, because unlike, you know, if you if you've ever played softball, you go to these fields. Yeah, they drag it, but it's a bunch of powder and dust. Right. The right handed batter's box been dug out. The f- second base has been slid into a million times. It's a it's a pit. Well, every every game they need to have that mound set up where it's like it's brand new. It just came out of a wrapper because every pitcher has his own routine where they're going to work off the rubber and they need an equal amount of firm and set dirt, and that process starts in the morning. They put the tarp, the, the mound tarp over it to keep the moisture in, and they don't remove that until an hour before the game. It's almost like putting a cake in the oven. They're an artist. They're, they are an oh, artist. He's, he's an there's artist. an artistic way to this. There's a, there's a delicacy to all of this, including the mowing of the lawn. You know, and you, you have that mowing pattern. Yes. And that mowing pattern is not all cosmetic. It's lined up for the outfielders to have a specific angle. Like, so... If you look at center field, it pretty much goes up and down, right? Left field is angled and right field is angled. And that's for the benefit of the, the outfielders on both teams, obviously. But to have an, a, sort of a, 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 an alignment toward the plate, yeah. and that's which way the, uh, the grass is by, it goes back and forth in terms of the bent Kentucky bluegrass. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all, you know, I'm just learning all this at once, and I'm just, I just thought it was kind of a cosmetic deal. It looks pretty on TV to have the cuts of the grass going so either actually, way. So it's actually done with a purpose. There's a method to the madness. So there's a method to the artistry. Dave, didn't you have a? Didn't you play something a few years ago or last year from a former outfielder who talked about that, and we sort of yucked it up about his thoughts Jim about Edmonds? the grass? Yeah, I thought there was a whole thing about what what Murph is talking about there. And we actually thought it was funny because he's like, if the Dave ball wasn't gets, listening at all, he checked out. If he gets caught in, if you, if it gets caught in the wrong thread of grass, it can go, it can go away from the outfield. It was something that we laughed about at the time. But it sounds like you're saying it's absolutely true that yeah. it's not just for looks. It's a, it's for a real reason. Well, are you saying it's more for alignment, Murph? I almost pulled my hamstring. Hold on a second. Oh, oh my no. God. We get a cramp? What's wrong, cramp. Oh, oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm the old one. Oh, this hurts. Okay, it's gone now. I've never done that inside <laughs> we, yeah, before. Stretch it out, baby. Murph, you need to hydrate. I'm my God. I haven't been in the in the, in the the seat in a long time. I'm obviously rusty. Just call me Miguel. I need to go to a rehab <laughs> I assignment say, what is over happened at you? K-Talk. Let me go over there for <laughs> a rehab. What has happened to you? Oh, my God. That knotted up. It was awful. <laughs> Um, and I think this is a byproduct of me the other day <laughs> oh, because I was hauling dirt and rolling the tarp, and uh, it was oh. it was a tough day. Anyway, what was the question, Dave? I can't even remember. Were you, were you the as far as you know the the alignment of the grass? You yes. Know, were, were you saying it's more for alignment to the outfielders? Yes, for the outfielders to kind of get a sense of where they're at at any sure. given moment, where like to ha- help line up their throws. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that I mean I never thought of it like that that, that I would had no be, idea. be the reason, but that completely makes sense now. And by the way, this is something I didn't know too, and, and Al told me the mound guru. Uh Major League Baseball will come and visit every couple of months and weigh and measure every measure the mound, okay, because it's only supposed to be ten inches high. Because mm-hmm. there's always been that speculation that certain mounds are higher than others. So they come in here and do that. They also measure the the the, the incandescency or the uh, the candle power of every light. There's a standard that the lights have to, a uniform standard across all 30 major league ballparks that 
there has to be a certain level of light, and they come at night and measure that. And if there's a little bit of dimness, say, in the left field, left corner, they will go up there and they will turn the lights. They will uh, they will order, you know, something to be moved up there. There's a catwalk up there where um, yep. uh, the, the maintenance workers can go. If there's a bulb out, you can't have one bulb out. Um, and they also have a new standard, too, where the umpires determine. I didn't know this. On a, on a cloudy day, or let's say mid-afternoon when the shadows cross home plate, the home plate umpire determines if and when the lights are turned on during a day game. So it's not like the Twins can say, hey, oh, we're having a hard team. time. Nope, it's the, it's an umpire that does that. So, first, so once first pitch hits, so so let's say let's say it's an overcast day, you're going to play a game at 1. Yes. And at 12.50, the lights go on. Is that the umpire then, or is that the team? No, it's the umpire. Okay. Well, so, I don't, uh, before the game? Yeah, because uh, I think rainouts th- are decided by the team until first pitch in which... Uh, yes, the and then everything be, controls the, the umpire. The umpires took over. Yes, the umpire takes over the field when they put the tarp on when they determine to call a game, when they're, when they're monitoring the weather. But with the lights, at least after they start the game, mm-hmm. they determine if and when it, it comes out. I mean, these are little things, but this is something that Al was telling me that I had no idea this about. Al's a fountain. Well, he also told me this is a great anecdote. Uh, back when the, wild, or the Twins were playing in the playoffs against the Yankees, Steinbrenner sent his grounds crew chief to the Metrodome to go work on the mound. And Al looked around and said, what do you do? You know, they were like buddies in the field. He's like, what are you doing here? And he kind of sheepishly said, well, the boss wanted me to come and watch and make sure that your your mound is the same height and the regulation because apparently at the Metrodome, the the mound, I don't know if you knew, it just dropped below the surface. Yes. Then they put for the football. patch over for football. It went down, yes. And I think that might have been a weekend where they had a Vikings game and a Gophers game and a, and a Twins playoff game on Friday night. So Steinbrenner sent his lackey over to look over the shoulder of our guy Al, and Al did not take too kindly that and right. ran him off the field. Nor should he have. I agree. He's been doing it since 1974 at the Met. So your, your story's going to appear in Sunday's Pioneer Press? Yes, this Sunday, correct? and it should be online by Friday. Just sort of my first-person uh, experiences uh, on the Twins ground crew. Dave, what do we have coming up in stuff? Well, we've got some very good stuff, including one uh, Major League Baseball player complaining about how another Major League team is using its pitching staff. I just wish Murphy could have got a nice rainy day, just a downpour in the fourth inning. So well, you could have I, been out there to pull that big tarp. Maybe you fall I down. I did pull get, the tarp, though, uh, because there was threats of rain overnight into Saturday. So at the end of the game, I did pull the tarp. But, but I needed I needed you in the wet weather. I agree. So maybe you, you take a slip, you get I all agree. muddy, the tarp goes over the top. You can die that way. You can get run over like Vince Coleman. Yes, exactly. We'll uh, get you on Sports Center. Sadly, I covered last Monday's rain, out game, or rain makeup game against Seattle where it did oh. rain, and they did have to pull the tarp twice i think yes i kept thinking man i'm gonna be here friday and it's gonna be a gorgeous day i want to be out there in the in the deluge but <laughs> i at least slob. did get to pull the tarp that's pretty good then all right we'll get to stuff next the Mackie and judd show will continue in a moment you understand on 1500 espn Mackie and judd now continue it's gonna be awesome we can't wait Mackie and judd be ready on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. Mackie and Judd Show, give me a go, no go for stuff you should know about. Hosts, go. Producer, we're go. Technical, go. Music, go. Volume, go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. Woo! 
All right, Dave Harrigan. Rick Flair says we're set, so we're set for stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when Rick says it, we abide. I'm going to play through this pain, by the way, just to let you are know. You okay? Are you still struggling? No, it's just it's, there's a little bit of a, a tug there now I can feel. Ooh. It's, I, uh, did you get some water during Unilateral the leg weakness right now. Sounds like a 10-day DL situation to me, but... I'll get through the show. Oh, I, we appreciate. You didn't your, come in in shape. That's I'm. You know what? I, I didn't stretch. Yeah, it really bothers me. It's snow like. You didn't come in in great shape, but now you've gotten hurt. I'm not taking my uh, my filling duties very seriously. No, am I? I guess well, not. But Dave always takes stuff. Seriously. Well, yeah, I do. But Murph, you're a sports writer by trade, so if you came in in shape, then there'd really be a problem. It could be an anomaly. That would be Check the, out the issue. Shape I'm in these days. Let's talk hoop. Curry, his choice of screens, uses Clay Thompson, gets Harden guarding him. Harden trying to reach it. Curry step back, quick release. Three ball! Curry! We haven't seen that all series. Not that move. Not the dribble. Forward, step back dribble, and drop it in. He's back. Sorry, Houston. You're done. Yeah, Harden looked awful yesterday. What is going on, though? These two series. So uh, The games individually are brutal. In the Golden State-Houston series, the margin of, of victories in three games have been 13. Okay, 13. That's not terrible. 22, and last night, 41. In the Boston-Cleveland series, the margins of victory in the first three games with Game 4 tonight are 25, 13, and 30. That's unwatchable, huh? And and by the way, didn't we all, including including me, say, I can't wait till we get uh, the Rockets yeah, and the, the Warriors? The, the and this real is gonna series. Be great. This is awful. Bad. This isn't good. This isn't watchable. This is terrible. There's no compelling case to watch these games. Is there? Am I missing something? Well, at least they're only playing every other day right now, so we don't have to wait five days between Ugh. games. Well, but they waited, but... Three days Didn't between they wait the, three yeah, days? Yeah, they did. But uh, I watched the third quarter. I checked into the third quarter after the Jets were eliminated, and all I saw was Steph Curry putting on a show yep. and James Harden looking like a pylon out there. <laughs> it was not good. No, it was not. I will take variance every time. Give me hockey. Give me variance over these NBA games. <laughs> Well, the NBA's still got something going for it. That's the TNT guys. Chuck Barkley asking Kevin Durant about uh, Draymond Green and being put in his place. Is Draymond Green as annoying in person as he is on in, on television? Annoying who? You should go talk to him yeah. downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. no, he ain't gonna do it. Is he annoying? I mean, you're, you're around him every day. He's That's annoying he on do. television. What annoys you about a Draymond? He gonna apologize to him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, downstairs, you can go ask him. Go ask him, man. Yeah. I'm not sure I heard anything coherent <laughs> throughout that. But a lot of people talking. A lot of like, stepping on people. Durant saying, yeah, don't ask me. You should just go down and talk to him. This, of course, after a week or two ago, Barkley saying someone should punch him in the face and Draymond not didn't appreciating apo- that. Didn't Barkley t- apologize for that? He apologized, and that's what Shaq was referencing there. Oh, he's just going to apologize. He's not going to go meet him. He's just going to go apologize again. I would see, it's weird, because I would think a guy like Barkley would like Draymond. Draymond's a really smart guy, and yes, he can be annoying, but he does it in a, a way that I would think that Charles would appreciate. Charles Not doesn't strike against. me as an uh, one of those old school guys that kind of no. you know get off my lawn. You know, you need to do it the old school way, or uh, you're a, you're a, you know you're a, you're a disgrace to the to the league to your team. Um, but that's his shtick too, you know. That's, that's I mean, he wasn't going to go down. He was he was not going to go down there and face him face you know face to face. That's he's going to be passive aggressive and ask his teammate what he should do. Woo! 
It's definitely outside of the box, you know, it's one of those things that uh, definitely came out of left field, uh, but, you know, I think it was pretty cool, you know, uh, it's cool for the game of baseball from the strategic side, you know, uh, it's it's unheard of, you know, and, and I, it's, it's a lot of fun to be a part of the unheard of, you know, the abnormal. Judd, you see I read about is? I read about this last night, the Tampa Bay Rays are back at it. They are doing things a little bit different, that was Sergio Romo, who is normally a reliever, normally a pretty good late-inning guy. He started for the Tampa Bay Rays two games in a row this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Well, if you strip-mind your roster to the point of unwatchability, why not experiment a little bit? And there can be there's a the valid argument to be made that if your best pitcher uh, is only there for the ninth inning and mm-hmm. you have a team that just can't get to a, the ninth inning with a lead, uh, why not? And, if, and the way, you know... If you can get your starter to five innings, that's that's a hallelujah anyway. Why not have your best pitcher go out there two days in a row and throw two innings? And here's the brilliance. Ryan Yarborough was the guy scheduled to start. He's the normal starter for the Rays on Saturday. They're taking on the Angels, who just happened to have Zach Cozart, Mike Trout, and Justin Upton. Three solid right-handed bats at the top of their lineup. Yarborough's a lefty. So they throw in Romo to start the game. He gets those three outs. Then Yarbo comes in, the starter, at the top of the second inning. He doesn't have to see those three solid right-handed bats then for a couple more innings. He ends up going, I think it was five or six innings. They eventually win that game. They did the same thing yesterday. Romo went an inning and a third. Didn't work out for them to get the win, but it was the same kind of thing. That was one of their raised bullpen games, so they had a few other relievers throw two innings and then three innings, whatever Tampa's it is. Tampa's uh, basically a, a Petri dish right now for baseball. Very much so. This was their manager, Kevin Cash, talking about it as well. I think going forward, we're going to try to draw it up to where maybe there's a there's a, a traditional starter in between that. Gives us a little bit of flexibility, but the way it's stacked up with Anaheim's roster or lineup being heavily right-handed, um, it worked. Zach Cozart of the Angels, not exactly a fan. He called it, quote, weird. It's bad for baseball, in my oh, opinion. God. It's spring training. That's the best way to explain it. Yeah, I love Bush League. I, I am probably closer to a baseball traditionalist than most with things, but I do love the outrage about if it's not how we've done it forever. Baseball is the ultimate, but we've always done it this we've way. We've done it for 150 years. How could you change? Why would you change? Well, because it might be a good idea to change. Yeah, because your audience is going to be dead in about 10 years. <laughs> your core audience <laughs> is going to be dead. Aside from that. <laughs> and that might be me. That's very scary. St. Paul Saints open up the home schedule today. 305 first pitch yeah. CHS field against the Chicago Dogs. Interesting first pitch, yeah. This is my favorite new baseball stat that I just learned today. They uh, started the series taking two of three against the Gary South Shore Railcats over yeah, the weekend in Gary. To... It's a lot, yes. Yes, the South Shore Railcats. I didn't realize this till I read it this morning. Winning that series means 17 years in a row they have won their opening I saw series that of the season. Too. Not since 2001 have they lost the opening series of the season. I'm not sure it means anything though. It's, it's interesting. Incredible. Well, I, but you know what? It's you, they play 100 games, don't they? Or yes, eight, 100 so, games. Okay, so I, it's unique. Yeah, I'm unique. glad. I, I'm glad I know about it now. It well, is stuff I should know about it. Uh, Tuesdays, for instance, we have Jason Stark on. Mm-hmm. This seems like something he would absolutely geek out about and try to figure out the la- you know who's got the longest streak in Major League Baseball or what was the longest streak. It just seems like such an odd streak to have 17 straight years where the opening series of the season, you end up on top. And 
that kudos to Sean Aronson, I guess, for even keeping track of that. I mean, how do you even oh, did start he keep to, track of Well, I assume well, he did. Uh, he's their PR guy. Yeah, he does everything else around the ballpark, right. doesn't he, was, he? Why not have yeah, that, too? He sweeps the concourse out. <laughs> well, well, we'll tell Stark tomorrow. Yes, we will have to do that. I and wonder if he knows. By, by the way, my only complaint about the Saints is the team that uh, Paul Merrill is going to play for with, I think, his kid in, in this league, which is a Texas-based team, they're not coming here. I forget the city name of the team. Fort Worth? Is it a Fort Worth I team? don't remember. Laredo? The Saints, yeah, I, I think that's right. The Saints go, I want to say the Saints go there, uh, but they don't come here. That would have been the one. That's a bummer. That would have been the one. St- I would have loved to have seen Paul Merrill playing at CHS Field. That so would have been fun. So you could boo him? Oh, I just be So the syringes would come out? It would just be fun. Uh, let's t- uh, take a break. Don't forget, Wetmore in the 11 o'clock hour to, to talk twins. And also at the top of the hour, we're going to talk about a parental decision that Brian Murphy has made that is very interesting and I think uh, is in line with how a lot of parents think these days. Mackie and Judd, uh, Brian in for Phil today. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Way too many words. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. It is going to be fun. There's Define going to be fun. Mackie and Judd. It's not always going to be easy. It could cause plenty of angst. On 1500 ESPN. The fourth annual Town Ball Classic returns to Target Field this Saturday, May 26th. Presented by 1500 ESPN and the Minnesota Twins. Make plans to attend and help raise money for the Twins Community Fund. The day kicks off at 10 a.m. with the Class C game, followed by Class B. And Class A to wrap up the day. All the games broadcast here on 1500 ESPN. Tickets are just 10 bucks and good for the entire day if you want to head down to the yard. For more info or to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, Town Ball. All right, Murph, tell us why Rick Astley's playing right now. I was at a dinner party on Saturday with about 40 people in a very nice and expansive uh, house. Uh, and the, he, the dude had the 80s music playing, and it was jamming, and it was a good vibe and a good atmosphere. And then it, all of a sudden, Rick Astley came on, and a half dozen spouses and wives, like 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 honey to bee, bees to honey, or cavemen to fire, were out on the dance floor to Rick Astley, and I just could not process that. Oh, like they blew off, they blew off Duran Duran, they blew off Madonna, they blew off Michael Jackson, but this song got everybody, uh, not everybody, but all the uh, the tail feather waggers out on the dance floor. Well, ever since the Rick Rolling phenomenon, this song has been hotter than anything Madonna's put out. Right? That's true. How did this get Second Life? The internet meme. Okay. You'd, you'd send somebody a link to, hey, check out this cool video of so-and-so, but instead it would be the Rick Astley music video for this song. He was the English version of Michael McDonald. And he's still rocking it. When was that? Oh, Phenom. 10 years ago, maybe? Okay. Wait, when was he? Uh, no, 87, 88? No, no, no. When when did this get a second life? Oh, I don't on know. On the internet. It has to be at least another decade. But he's still, I mean, you see videos every once in a while. He performed the song with... It was Foo Fighters at some rock festival a couple years ago. Wow. And they brought him on. You had to be stoned to see that. I remember seeing the video. It was actually really cool. They played, it was a different key, but it sounded like the open to Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. Obviously, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Nirvana now leads Foo Fighters. And so they they start cranking. That's like, whoa, whoa, they're bringing back. And Rick Astley's on there. They'd already introduced him. And he starts, you know, throwing F words out there and cussing out the people. Let's get bleeped up, you know. (laughs) And then they started doing... The uh, the lyrics to this song over uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it fit perfectly aside from just being in a different key, and it was actually really, really cool. God, I would not want to be there sober, though, to see that. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. 
I never knew that. That actually, that sounds good. Oh, you can find that on YouTube. All right, I'll yeah, have absolutely. to go find that. So, what Duran Duran song didn't get people out on the dance floor, just out of curiosity? Does it matter? Uh, but I believe it was Hungry Like a Wolf. I guess you can't really you dance can't really to dance that. You can't really dance to it. That's the, that's the key thing. That's uh, absolutely the key thing. Uh, if you play an you old song that to? you can't dance to, you're not going to get people out there. I mean, this, that song is perfect. Oh, yeah. That's true. There's a lot you can of go out there and shake it with no mm-hmm. remorse. Right. But a lot of Michael Jackson went by. A lot of Madonna just went by. Nobody did anything. Rick Astley you, opened up the dance floor. Madonna, can you dance to much to most of her songs though? I don't know personally, but I know. No, I'm trying to think. I'm oh, trying, I think you. It's a rhetorical question. In fact, one of the, her songs is uh, about dancing by yourself. I don't know what the name of the. T- I can't think of the title now. I have no idea. <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to help. You I, out I know like, like a virgin and that's yeah, it wasn't that wasn't yeah. that. Um, holiday. Uh, Papa, don't preach. I'm getting an See, abortion. I think you found, uh, leave me alone. Yeah, I think you... <laughs> I can't really dance to that. <laughs> no. I think you found the key thing. The people identified the song that they can dance to and went out and danced, where where the rest of it's old school, fun music, but you can't really dance to it. Rick Astley, you can dance to it. Yes. It's almost now, personally, like... I would not subject people to me dancing, but at least I can see it. The other thing is it's almost like... Um, it's it because it's ironic now because it's cool because it's hip you can do that now and not feel silly about it i guess yeah, i think and there wasn't one dude right. out there did you dance no no god i wouldn't have danced to anything I, well that's I, me i'm not going to do that in public I maybe at a wedding at a wedding i'll cut loaded. a rug but i gotta be loaded yeah well, of course that's why loaded, it's at a I wedding might do it but then i just embarrass myself which is no surprise yeah that's fine you can go without Let's uh, let's take a break. Let's come back and talk about a uh, parental decision Brian Murphy has made, along with his wife, that uh, that involves um, your son's athletic career. is very interesting. <laughs> career? It's very interesting, but I don't think that you're alone in this decision. We'll discuss next. Mackie and Judd, Brian Murphy, the Pioneer Press, and for Phil. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Yes! On 1500 ESPN.